0: This is the Sports Betting Preview Podcast from Pregame.com for March seventeenth, 2009. I'm your host, RJ Bell, and we're broadcasting straight from the Las Vegas Strip. Each week we talk about upcoming games and teach you how to handicap any game. I'm joined by Marco D'Angelo bringing 29 years of handicapping expertise to the table and Vegas runner, a genuine Las Vegas professional bettor living on his winnings. This is a special week on the Sports Betting Preview Podcast. We're going to be looking at the first two rounds of NCAA March Madness, the big tournament. And we're going to have no shenanigans, no little side things. We're going to break down four games, two in segment number one, two in segment number two, and then free picks in segment number three. That's it. So let's get straight to it. Now, before we do, though, <laughs> I guess not right straight to it, is we're going to have a breakaway podcast, How to Handicap the NCAA Tournament. It's going to be just talking theory, and that's available right now at pregamepodcast.com. Don't miss that. Okay, so talking about the specific games, we're going to start with
1: Butler LSU. Who wants to start?
2: Go ahead, VR. Take it. Well, I'll take it.
1: Both of these teams have not been playing well down the stretch. I mean, when you look at LSU, they played their best ball January and February. And even Butler, I think, was playing better earlier than they are heading into March Madness. For myself, when I looked at this Butler team, I really expected them to have a better year next season. Um, When you look at their best players and you see that they're freshmen and sophomores, It tells me that the future is real bright for Butler, especially since that's not the kind of school that sends a lot of players to the pros. So I was a little surprised that they even had such a great year. Look at an LSU. You know them. They're going to like the run. So I think in this game, what LSU is going to definitely have to do is get a lead. Because if you don't get a lead on Butler, Butler's going to grind you to death like they do year in and year out. And when you look at Butler, this team just plays so relaxed. I, I really like their coach. But like I said, I really think it's going to come down to tempo. Who's going to dictate the tempo? We know LSU's going to run. You know Butler's going to want to slow it down. That's why there's a slow point spread in this one. It's eight versus nine. It's a great game, I think.
0: Okay, so let's set that game up. And we'll be doing this for each of the games is LSU, the eight seed, is minus two and a half, Butler, the nine seed. Now, historically, one of the things I do, and Vegas Runner and Marco will be dominating this analysis here, being the expert handicappers that they are, is I'll help you a little bit with the brackets and the numbers and and what it all means. Historically, and this is since 1985, the nine seeds have won 54% of the time, which doesn't, you know, over the course of, I think it's 96 games, that's that's pretty significant. And I think it's a sign maybe the 9 seed feeling like the underdog and having the advantages. That's not ATS. That's straight up. So, All right, Marco, what do you think of this game?
2: Well, that's a good point to start with, with you saying about the 8-9 and nine seed. I mean, in theory, this is the coin flip game. I mean, if you got 16 seeds, the 8-9 is going to be the coin flip game. What I'm looking at here with Butler is really LSU comes from the power conference of the SEC, but for mid-majors, Butler's made the biggest name for themselves. Them and I would say Gonzaga over the last few years have made some noise with uh, the success they've had from a smaller conference. The one thing that stood out to me in this game when I looked at it is LSU, as VR noted, was doing very well early in the year, but they stumbled down the stretch. LSU lost three of their last four games, but the glaring number in those losses, all four of their final games, they shot below 40% from the field. Now, you can look at that two ways. You can say you got a cold shooting team coming into this game, or you can say, you know, can they shoot any worse? There's only, you know, they can only improve from there. The thing is, tempo. That is a good point that VR brought out. And if you have a cold shooting team, Tempo is a factor. If this game goes into a half-court game you need to be able to shoot from the floor because you're going to be ending up with a lot of outside shots. Butler's going to make you pass the ball three or four times on each possession to get that open shot, whereas if LSU dictates the tempo, you're going to get the higher percentage shots where you know, you're know you coming down the floor in transition and you're going to get layups or you know kickouts to wide open threes. But looking at the scoring of LSU, in the last four games, they've scored 67, 53, 67. 7.57, which means their opponents have been dictating the tempo on them, and they're not getting those outside shots to fall. So if you can handicap the tempo here, I say you have the winner in the game.
0: Okay, so question is, oftentimes a basic question that's asked by a newbie batter is, what do you think of parlays? And usually my answer is that if you're just betting for fun or or there's no correlation, parlays are fine, though the juice is a little higher. But if you have a correlated parlay, you have a big advantage. And that is a correlated parlay is if one thing happens in the the first game, there's a better chance something's going to happen in the second game. So is there a possibility here to say, okay, based upon the tempo, I like one team or I like the other team, and if so, I'm going to play it with the over or with the under based upon the team that you like.
1: I, I think you, you got something there, RJ, because definitely for Butler to win this game, they're going to have to do it with defense. We all know going into the tournament, the teams that play defense do the best, and especially the teams that are able to play defense on the road. That's the biggest key. And when I look at Butler, I found that they were the fourth best defensive road team in all of the NCAA. And you're talking about sophomores and freshmen doing that. So, playing in Greensboro, I think it'll be more of an LSU crowd, but I don't think that's going to bother them. So, I think RJ has a point there. If you're going to back Butler, you're going to back them because you're expecting their defense to be able to slow down the pace, not allow LSU to run like they want to do, get up and down the court quickly. So, it'll have to be a low-scoring game if you're going to back Butler. On the up opposite end of the spectrum, for LSU to beat Butler, they're going to have to get through that defense. And they're going to have to make them force Butler to run with them up and down the court. And if you're going to back LSU, you're going to look more towards a higher scoring game, I think.
0: And I think that's an interesting concept, the correlated parlay, Marco. What do you think?
2: I agree absolutely. Uh, the thing of it is, is you know, you pick the point spread winner and tie both of them up, you know, in the parlay. Um, I like. I'm not a parlay person. Period. Um, I've always been. I'm a grinder. I'm going to play my games all my flat bets in. I'm looking for the edge. You know, I'm happy if I make one unit a day and those add up. You know, at the end of the month, you make a unit a day, you made 30 units. That's a big profit.
0: That's a big profit for 12 months. (laughs) All right, so let's move on. The second matchup in the first segment we'll be talking about is Memphis, the two seed, against Cal State State Northridge, the 15 seed. Memphis is laying 19 and a half. Now, Marco's been on Memphis – he talked about it in the podcast a few weeks ago, and he actually did a, a blog post on it recently. You can see that at pregameblogs.com, or you can just go to pregame.com and click blogs. Marco, kick us off.
2: Well, this Memphis team is absolutely what I I said in my blog. They're the Rodney Dangerfield of college basketball. This team has not gotten any respect at all this year, and and I just don't understand why. You have a team in uh, Memphis that's got the nation's longest winning streak. They've won 25 games in a row. They weren't able to leapfrog the teams to get into the number one position down the stretch when the top four teams kept bouncing around between Pitt, Connecticut, North Carolina, Oklahoma. They just kept exchanging the number one position, and all Memphis kept doing was winning and was locked in behind them. I look for the Memphis team to be on a mission in this tournament. They finished runner-up to the national championship last year. Uh, really should have won the game, but lost the game because of foul shots down the stretch. They had the lead the entire game and blew it in the final sa- minute of the game. Look for them with their defense. And this is the point that I, another point I brought out in the blog, was they've held 11 of their last 12 opponents to under 40% shooting. You hold a team to under 40 percent you're going to win they've held nine of their last 12 opponents to under 50 points now with all of that said you've got a situation on thursday where they're a huge favorite for them to blow this team out really gains them nothing i mean they're coming in with a chip on their shoulder I understand that. But if they're going to have one game where they coast a little bit, this is the game. And you got to be careful with these big spreads in this first round game because, you know, this is not a sprint, it's a marathon. They got to win, you know, continue to win to advance. There's no polls. You just got to win by one. And coaches don't want to embarrass people in this sport, unlike in college football. And, you know, I I hate the college football format where coaches are forced to run up the scores. It's just not sportsmanship. So you will get a lot of situations where you can get a backdoor cover with one of these big dogs.
0: So you're saying that you're not sure about this game and the position of laying almost 20, but you think Memphis is a a team to look to play on throughout the tournament?
2: Absolutely. And one other stat that I'll point out with Memphis – the last 17 games of the season, they're 13-4 and four against the spread. So Vegas has not given them the proper due as well, just like the NCA committee making them a number two seed, where I really feel they deserved a number one. The point is, of the four losses they had, two of them is when they were 23-point favorites. So those are like the only times that they really didn't roll over a team covering the spread is when they were big. Calipari took the, you know, the foot off the gas pedal.
0: Interesting. Now – one of the approaches that has historically been very uh, strong is if you take a team that wasn't expected to make the tournament and they are focus of media attention in regards to, oh, they shouldn't be in, like Arizona this year is a perfect example of that, they tend to do very well because, one, the public is not positive about them, so the betting lines affected typically, and number two, they're motivated. They want to redeem themselves. They want to prove their naysayers wrong. It would strike me a team that you would think has a good shot at a number one that gets a number two is going to have that same sense of, okay, we got to redeem ourselves and, and show ourselves to be a great team. So I think that may motivate Memphis. I'm not sure about the first game, but in general throughout
2: the tournament. I will be looking at Memphis down, you know, in the net later rounds. Yes. All right, Vegas
0: runner. What do you think of Memphis versus Cal State Northridge?
2: I agree with Marco. You definitely got to
1: credit Calipari. He's the master motivator when it comes to. They've disrespected us. Let's go out and prove them wrong. He's done it year in and year out. Uh, the first thing that I saw when I saw the number in this game actually was the total. I thought they sent it out a little bit too high. I understand. I love watching America. Okay, Ridge. so what's our number there? Uh, the number was sent out, I believe, 132. And what are we sending And it's down now? to 130, 130 and a half. And I think it might even dip a little lower. Um, Everybody sees this Northridge team, and they're one of them teams you love to watch play. They create havoc. They'll run the ball up and down every single time. And if you're going to score against Memphis, that's what you're going to have to do because if Memphis gets you in a half-court game, they're going to lock you down, and you're not going to do much scoring. And that's just no way for Northridge to get anything accomplished. The thing with this Northridge team is, early in the they had to survive losing two starting guards. But because they were a pretty guard-heavy team, they've been able to manage that okay, and they're in the tournament now. But now you're going up against Memphis, whose two guards are 6'6". So this is a very long team. And I also have to agree with Marco. I like this team better than last year's Memphis team. I think they're better in the low post. I think they shoot better free throws. I think they're even better defensively. And I think Calipari has this team under his thumb more. Last year's team was, I think, loaded with too many pros You know They they all wanted to be first-round selections where this team seems like they want to bring home a national championship. But getting back to this game in particular, I have to tell you, I really don't see Memphis doing too much, like you said, Marco, to try to cover this big of a number. And they're going to just play their defense, try to make Northridge run more of a half-court style than they want to and get away with a victory and move on to the next round. Okay, so but you have a lean right now towards the under. If I had to bet the game today, I I think there's definitely an edge in the under. I think it's a a very low scoring affair.
0: Okay, a couple things. Uh, Actually, just yesterday, and we're taping on Tuesday, just yesterday, um, uh, Tark the Shark, the former UNLV coach, uh, the legend here in town, was on local radio, and him and Calipari are friends, and he said that... uh, the coach really, really likes his team, and he said it's it's maybe his favorite team. So it kind of backs what you're saying about his control of the team and and the culture is very positive. So that's one thing to think about. Number two is, if you guys remember from a prior podcast, Memphis is a, a great example of a very young team that changes throughout the year. It would seem to me if you took the second half of the year and it was the only thing considered, that Memphis would certainly be a one seed. And it's a couple early losses that has colored everyone's perception the entire season. And one of the things we talk about is in college basketball, since the good players only stay a couple years, a half a season is like a whole season it used to be back in the day. It's, a, it's 25% of their career is half a season if you only stay two years. So I think this is a team that you know Marco called it weeks ago that's trending upward, and I'm not so sure they're not going to keep trending upward. Now, lay 19 and a half is a different story. Going into the brackets real quick, uh, and again, this is about winning the game, 15 seeds are 4 out of 96 in the modern era. So clearly it's not about winning. It's about are they going to run the game up. Now, what's interesting to me additionally is the concept of if you're a statistical handicapper, and there's different types, right, situational, statistical, fundamental, trend-based, or let's say the four big types. In the tournament, you're going to have to look at the road results a lot because these tournament games are more like road games. But now all of a sudden, if you're only able to look at half a year because teams change so much, and especially the young teams, and you're only going to look at road games, you end up only really looking at 25% of the games that are on point. The second half games of the season – That are on the road. So I think for statistical handicappers, that's a big disadvantage. The handicappers have got a great feel for teams and fundamental matchups and situations are going to have a bigger advantage in the tournament.
2: One other thing that I'm going to point out with Memphis, the knock that everybody's giving them is because they're from Conference USA. They played their out-of-conference schedule. And remember, the out-of-conference schedules come – end of November, and in December, when this team was playing young. The seven games that they played out of conference, they played Georgetown, Xavier, Syracuse, Gonzaga, Tennessee, Seton Hall, and Cincinnati. Four of those seven teams are in the big dance. Three of those teams are out of the powerhouse Big East, which everybody knows got three of the number one seeds. So all of that early seasoning when the team was young, they learned from the school of hard knocks. They got their three losses in December, and they'll learn from that, and that'll be a benefit down the stretch now when they start facing the better teams in this tournament.
0: I got to tell you, that that might be the most impassioned I've heard Marco in a long time. That, that was that was a lot of passion there. VR.
1: I agree, but I'm one of them guys that thinks that they are where they should be. I do not think Memphis should get the respect of being a number one team because they caught fire down the stretch, beating teams like East Carolina, SMU, Central Florida. You can't get respect beating teams like that. When you lost a neutral court game against Xavier, you lost at home against Syracuse, you lost at Georgetown how can you put This team number one when their resume Shows blowouts against Central Florida you know that they Brag about beating Tulsa you know, so I, yeah, they have to prove it to me. Like I said, I love this team. They're a great team. If Calipari could stop them from going pro, this will be definitely a top two team next year. But uh, to me, they have to prove that they could beat a good team before I start crowning anything.
0: Okay, coming up next on Crossfire. Oh, wait. Okay. <laughs> all right, that's good. All right, so we're going to be looking, and we're, that's wrapped up segment one. Okay, now remember, we're doing a breakaway podcast, How to Handicap the NCAA Tournament. That's going to be a separate podcast. We talk all the theory. In the sports betting preview here, we're going to be talking about specific games. Two more games coming up in segment number two. We'll be right back. This is RJ Bell, founder of Pregame.com, here to tell you about our free $25 offer for new members. That's right. Join Pregame.com for free, and you get $25 to spend any way you want. No purchase or obligation required. For $25, you can get just about any best bet you want. This is a no-lose deal. Sign up takes less than 60 seconds. Visit pregame.com backslash join. That's pregame.com backslash J-O-I-N and get your free $25 before it's too late. And we're back, segment two, the Sports Banking Preview Podcast, special edition, March Madness, first two rounds. Okay, we've already handled two games. Let's get into game number three. My... Um, favorite school, the one I graduated from, The Ohio State University, eight seed, laying three points to Siena. Okay, let's go straight to
1: Vegas Runner on this game. Wow. Uh, strangely enough, when this number came out, I was a little surprised until I stopped and realized that Ohio State has a huge home court edge in this one. Uh, I don't know how the committee set this game up. This is as much of a home edge as you could give them, I think, and that puts Siena in a really bad spot. The one thing that stuck out most to me and I remembered is, although Siena is one of them teams that we relatively think they have a good defense, they're known for their defense— When you look at how they've done on the road, they are one of the worst defensive road teams. And when it comes to tournament winners, I put a lot more weight on road statistics as I do on on, looking at how they fared over the whole season or at home, as RJ was saying earlier. Now, looking at Ohio State, they're a very physical team, and, and that's just how you play basketball in the Big Ten. But when you get into the tournament, you're looking at referees that are not just Big Ten officials so I don't expect them to allow that kind of contact that OSU is used to when they play the likes of Michigan State and Wisconsin and Iowa so they're gonna have to definitely try to stay out of foul trouble in this one the other thing about Siena I believe they're on 11 or 12 days of rest and when you're one of them teams that you know isn't used to having that kind of gap in between and you don't have the the coaching that's had to live through it year in and year out it's very difficult to adjust and you know osu like you said just a power team coming from a power conference so you have to give them the edge the uh a friend of mine here in town that is a professional
0: said that uh he heard that the odds makers actually opened this game at one and a half and uh had forgot about the home court and it was quickly bet up to three Um, And, again, most of the opening numbers you see say the game opened at 3, but there actually were people that were able to bet at one and 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 2.5. So, again, that clearly is a sign of the home court advantage for high state in this game. Uh, Marco, what's your thinking?
2: Well, uh, I don't want to continue the pattern from the first segment of disagreeing with VR, but I'm going to have to here. And uh, the only thing that I'm going to agree with that VR said in that segment was about the layoff, and uh, I talked for a while. You did talk for a while, so oh, I, I disagree with, with. So I disagree with a lot of it. <laughs> and what I'm going to start with, uh, the layoff is going to be a factor, uh, but Ohio State. First, I'm going to say, you know, you mentioned a power conference. The Big Ten for years has got knocked in this tournament that these teams don't do well. I don't know why it is, but you go to the, you know, whether it's basketball or football, the Big Ten, once they step outside of their conference, uh, they don't do as well other than, you know, I know uh, RJ will bring up Ohio State uh, success in football, but this conference i 'm not impressed with, and especially this year in basketball, the other point that i 'm going to bring out Siena's one of these small schools that come out of the, you know these New York conferences. They play some ball in New York. These small schools know how to play basketball it 's very competitive. Sienna rolled through their competition in their conference tournament, and I think they 're going to give Ohio State fits here and with everything you guys said about where it 's at power conference, everything else i got to say. They made this line basically pick the winner. And to me, anytime you look at two teams like this and you've got Ohio State, uh, you know, a name school out of a name program playing a virtual no name Sienna and it's pick the winner, that's a little bit too easy for my blood. And I think Sienna is going to, you know, pull a surprise here.
0: Okay. And, and clearly, again, we have the nine seed historically is 54% coming into play. Now, one other thing to think about, I agree with Vegas runner, is the referees in the Big Ten uh, are used to the physical play, and it's going to be random in regards to what referees these Big Ten teams see. And it may be a situation where you want to look at the second half in these games. Is If the game is being called uh, ticky-tack, you want to maybe fade the Big Ten in the second half, and if it's being uh, called uh, loosely, and they they're letting them play, then you maybe look to back the Big Ten in the second half, and and that's really when there's a factor that you're going to see early in the game that's going to dictate the game. Why not play the second half? And and Vegas runner, what do you think of that or anything else?
2: Yeah,
1: I t- I totally agree, and and I agree with what Marco said. I'm one of them that also I don't believe the Big Ten is very good this year in basketball, but I just think in this matchup. You have to give Ohio State the edge anyway. You look at it. if you look at every eight versus nine on the on the schedule, it's around a two point spread. And here you're looking at four, so it's right because they're not playing at home. If they were playing at home, it would be around five or six. But, but this, since they're playing close to home, you this know game it's four. this game actually
0: um, opened up. Like I said, low went up fairly quickly. Was three and a half on Sunday night, and now it's down to three most places at yeah, this point. And,
1: that that's the because they're realizing Ohio, it, although Ohio State is playing in Dayton and it's like home, you know. A people, be, this Siena team has gotten respect. I don't think they're one of them. You know, they are the small conference school, but I don't think they're an unknown. And I think their big problem is going to be is what happens if Ohio State decides to run with Siena.
0: Now you can actually see all the opening numbers and the current lines at six different locations at pregamelines.com. dot com or you go straight to pregame.com and click lines and odds.
2: One other point on this game, and I don't know how you feel about this, V.R., but Ohio State was a team that uh, made the run to the championship game in their conference tournament. When that conference tournament started, not many people put Ohio State in the championship game. And when a team goes deep like that uh, and then ends up losing the conference championship, I think there's got to be a little bit of a natural letdown. Uh, Even though we're going to the big dance, it's human nature. They played four games – whatever, to run to the championship game, Uh, that's another factor where Siena won their conference uh, tournament to get here and I look for the momentum to continue
1: and Ohio State's a relatively young team I mean you don't see they're not led by juniors and seniors so on the experience I do I give Siena the, the edge there but I just think where they're playing it just it's tough to beat a team playing that close to home
0: I right, Mark I want to drill down with what you said because from to my ears you said something that was contradictory you said Ohio State had a surprisingly good run and thus, you know, losing in the championship game, there may be a letdown off of the good run. Siena had a run to win
2: the tournament, and you said the momentum would continue. What's the difference? See, that's um, actually, that's a big theory of mine. Most bettors look at games, and they think that when somebody has a good game and they played well in a big game, that they're in a bounce-back mode. I think when you lose a big game and— that it's a negative. It's almost like being drunk and having a, a hangover. Okay. So you're saying,
0: game. you're saying the letdown stem from not the good run, but
2: from the loss, from getting that far and getting close to hoisting the, the trophy and losing. Yes. Where Sienna winning is going to build on their momentum
0: personally. And again, there's a lot. That's the beauty of sports betting. If everyone saw things the same way, it'd be hard to, it'd be hard for any, everyone to be betting the same games. The lines makers would adjust accordingly. To me, the only time you have a down in the tournament uh, in the first round or any round really is when a team is such a big favor that they don't have to play hard to win. It would be hard to imagine you have, as you said, almost a pick em game in a high state coming anything, especially with the home crowd, anything except with full motivation. But, again, that's, that distinction between my perspe- perspective and Marco's is what, what makes sports betting so fun. Okay, so we're going to be moving on to our second game in Segment 2 here. First, let's talk about Segment 3. We're going to be talking free picks, free picks, free picks in Segment 3, and uh, the streaks continue, amazing streaks, and uh, we'll be talking about that in Segment 3. Now, the last matchup we're going to be breaking down, number six seed Marquette laying four-and-a-half against Utah State. Okay, Marco?
2: Marco? Well, this is one of those ones where I'm going to look at, and I'm going to be, you know, thinking outside the box. And Marquette is a team that down the stretch was horrible. They lost five of their last six down the stretch, and many people could probably question: Did they deserve to be in here? Yeah, they had. I think it was 24 wins on the season. I think they were 24 and nine. And but people say, "What have you done for me lately?" And if you look at them in the last you know, half of the season, this team was mediocre at best.
0: So, so jumping in, you've actually heard people say a sixth seed shouldn't
2: even have made the tournament? Well, why are they so high with the way they finished? All right, so that's the question. That's the question. The other point is they're coming from the, the Big East, which absolutely is, you know, Kristen, the, the best conference uh, ever, I think. When have, can any of you guys remember when three teams were number one seed out of the same conference? I can't. I don't know if you guys can or not.
0: So really we're back to Memphis now at
2: this point. No, we're not we're <laughs> not back to Memphis, but I'm going to I'm going to back Marquette here because they are getting a little bit of bad talk that you know the way they stumbled, you know, did they deserve to be where they're at? And it's almost a prelude to what you said about, you know, Arizona where people actually say you don't even belong in the tournament. Here's a team that I don't think belongs as high as they are. In the early numbers I saw, this line's, you know, settled at four and a half, but I saw some first numbers of six on this game, and it immediately went down, people wanting – Um, Utah State. I mean, Utah State's a good ball club. They did everything that they needed to do. They're coming out of a small conference, and people want them, where normally people are knocking the small conferences, but here they want to step in front of Marquette. So when you want to step in front of a quality program, a quality conference, that's when I'm going to go ahead and and buck the grain, and, and I'll take Marquette.
0: And to me, this falls straight into one of your pet concepts, which is injuries, is once there's an injury, usually the team will have uh, a real good game or two because they're all rallying behind the concept of, hey, we can still win. Then the fatigue factor or the, the stress of having to do more than they're used to comes in, and then there's a downturn. And then finally the team settles in and and, and gains some – um, mo- not necessarily momentum, but they, they integrate themselves into the offense and defense the way that they're playing with the current, uh, the, the, the current lineup, and they play even better. So I would ask you, Marco, is do you look at this Marquette team as potentially trending upwards because they did hit a valley based upon the big injury?
2: Well, they haven't hit the trend upwards yet because, as I said, they lost five of their last six
0: games. No, no, and again, clearly we can look in the past and know what happened. Is The key, any once a team turns around and they win a few games, it's obvious the team's playing better. Just like with horses, dogs, whatever, if you can figure out that shift in form, that's where the real value comes. Do you see a shift in form for Marquette?
2: I think there's value, is what I'm looking at. I think that right now the public's given up on this team because of their slide, and Vegas is adjusting the line, and the public is still jumping on the dog, thinking they're the live play. And I think there's value here. I think Marquette should be a higher, higher price favorite in this game. Vegas runner. Well,
1: Utah State did get the respect from the betters as soon as this number came up, and I believe that's going to happen all the way till it tips off. Because, like Marco said, there's always that. Team that that uh, smaller conference team that people love the betting Utah State just happens to be one of them schools. They're one of them teams that love where they're at. They're happy to be there. But Marquette, when I look at All that right, so, team, so
0: jumping in real quick, VR is so you're saying if you do like Marquette,
1: you're waiting till game time. Absolutely, okay. I I think the trend will continue where the money will continue to, to flow into with Utah State. Now let me play devil's advocate for a minute before you get back into your
0: analysis is. What percentage of the action would you say prior to Thursday? All right, so the lines come out Sunday. We got S- Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Now Thursday's game day for the first round is what percentage of those that action pre-Thursday is wise guy action, what percentage is general public
1: action? I'd say Sunday when the lines come out, I'd say 85% is wise guy money. Oh, now all the way through Wednesday, more, yeah, I, I, the general public and from what I've been seeing hanging at the casinos, everybody's grabbing the sheets. Everyone's got all their newspapers. Everyone's doing their homework. They're looking at props and things, but not too much betting is taking place. The, the majority of the betting, all the bookmakers all say it on the strip as well, is going to come in Thursday. And until then, the odds makers and the bookmakers are holding their breath trying to figure out. Are these moves legit? Are we going to get hit the other way when the game starts?
0: Now, if that is true, could the case be made the wise guys are betting Utah State and the public are going to look at that Marquette number and say, wait, almost like the high State number that Marco talked about, oh, here's the public, Ohio State's only laying three against some team called Siena. Wouldn't we maybe have the same effect on Marquette and only laying four,
1: four and a half against the Utah State. I think the betting public's going to take a wait and see approach with Marquette because they did so bad down this stretch. They're going to have to prove that they're ready for this tournament because before this tournament, before the injury of Dominic James, they were a Final Four team. This team was favored at home against Connecticut. So, you know, they were expected to do extremely well. They were going to be battle-tested in the Big East. So, you know, it's not an accident that that this team is where they're at. It's just a, it's it's a shame that Dominic James, one of their senior leaders, went down. This team was, I mean, they've been, if you look at how the makeup of this team is, they're perfect to win a tournament. They got a big man. They got great guards. They got senior leadership. They play in the Big East. That's the kind of teams that end up getting to the Final Four. But we have the big question mark, the X factor. Dominic James went down. They played terrible. Is that trend going to continue?
2: VR, I got a question for you. When when RJ asked you about the public money and the sharp money, uh, being that I've only uh, been out here for one March Madness in Vegas, do you see an influx come in on Wednesday, you know, migration? I know a lot of buddies over the years, they always – they planned a vacation for this week, that they would come to Vegas for the first week of the NCAA. So those people are going to be arriving on Wednesday night. Will, will you see the public money start you know, flying out Wednesday night? Because let's face it, the games start at 9 a.m. Thursday morning.
1: The, the people that are here in Vegas to bet these games are going to have no problem waking up at 6 a.m. and being in the sports book. So I think the majority is going to wait. Although you will have, you know, at night, I think you're going to get the night before. You're going to get more of the future bettors, the guys putting, you know, 200 on a team to win it all, some props. But I think the real straight action, you know, is going to be closer to game time decisions I mean it's just how it is with all sports and you know listening to a lot of these bookmakers here in town like they said the Friday games are getting a lot less action than the Thursday games so far because it's the next day, and that day, you know, come Friday's when they're going to get Friday action. That's what they're expecting. And that's where the, you know, the big, the cat and mouse game is between us and the bookmakers because they're trying still to figure out where do we put these lines because they know the influx of money is going to hit them Thursday morning, and that's when they have to have the right number up there.
0: All right. Any other thoughts on the Marquette matchup specifically with Utah State?
1: The only thing I wanted to add is this is a pretty much home game for Utah State. I know it's played in Boise, but they will travel well, and Marquette does not travel well at all. They could be playing 300 miles from home, and they may not have home field edge. So now traveling to Boise, I give Utah State, when you you watch that game and you will see Boise – We'll have a lot of Utah State fans. It'll be almost a a, a home game for them, a festive occasion. So Marquette's going to have to come ready to play. I don't think that it was a feel or bet when they took the points for Utah State. I think it was the wise guy saying, Marquette, if you are going to turn it around, you're going to have to prove it to us first because Utah State has already, but you haven't.
0: Okay, good stuff. We reviewed four games, and now we're heading to segment three, in which we're going to have our weekly free picks. This is RJ Bell, founder of Pregame.com, here to tell you about Pregame Forms, the place where sports bettors talk. Hundreds of posters informing and entertaining 24 hours a day with free picks and deep insight. Good people to celebrate wins with and moan about losses. You can post or just sit back and take it all in. Over $10,000 a year is given away in cash and prizes. Go to Pregame.com and click Forms, or visit directly through pregameforms.com, where everyone gets back more than they give from the many others giving. And we're back, Segment 3, the Sports Betting Preview Podcast from Pregame.com. Okay, typically in Segment 3, we take a question of the week, but we ain't got no time for questions. We're heading straight
2: to the free picks. Well, not really. First, we're going to give away some money. Marco. My favorite time of the show, giving away RJ's money. And this week, it's NCAA tournament time. So we're going to go NCAA 10. Write that coupon down, NCAA 10. Go to pregamepros.com. You can use that at the checkout. You'll be able to get $10 off any package. It's a one-time coupon. Use it. It'll be good through Monday. And uh, we've got some guys on streaks, obviously. VR, tell everybody about your streak. I've been doing pretty good, Marco. Basketball's been good to me, NBA,
1: and especially college. I came out of the conference tournaments really hot and uh, expected to roll over into March Madness. Year in and year out, I really looked forward to March. It's like you walk into it expecting the win and... and
0: Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I was just going to jump in, VR, and say, I actually was looking at your numbers today, and I think 65%... In the conference tournaments 62% last year in the NCAAs And here's the number that really blew my mind 13-1 and In the last 14 Best bets, 4 stars and above
1: Yeah, and and that's what I love to do And that's what I was explaining to my clients What I wanted to do is spend the first two weeks of March building as much of a bankroll for them as I could because I know when the madness starts, that's when I like to unleash the bombs like I call them. And I think I have the biggest edge of the season during the madness. So that's, of course, when I'm going to want to unleash the more most four- and five-star bets. And to do that, you need a bankroll. So I did what I could to help my guys build their bankrolls for two weeks. Now it's time to put it to work. And here's the thing. You guys may – Any
0: uh, regular listener is going to know that one of my concepts is 57% is the best you can do long-term, and the difference between 57 and 50 is what makes the difference between a professional that makes a living versus a guy that loses betting. But here's the thing. If you're hitting 57, you only have to go up about 7 points to get to 63. I think that's right. Oh, wait, no, 64, right? So you only got to go up 7 points to get to a sixty-four. If you're hitting 50, you go up seven points, you're 57. Now, what's the seven points? That's just a random amount that during a hot streak you might go up and during a cold streak you might go down. So really, if you think about it, let's say that the variation is 10 points. Well, if you're normally 57, when you're really hot, you're going to be 67. When you're really c- cold, you're going to be 47. And, and that's usually what the best bettors. The best bettors, for example, Stan Sharp had a, a cold streak over the course of, let's say, six weeks. He's hot now again. But over in Marco, you know, you being friends with him, you follow that very closely. But even during his cold streak, if you looked at any length of time, he was just a little bit below five hundred. Uh, you could slice and dice a losing streak and find worse than that. But then when you get the guys really hot, they're going to get up to 67. But the question is, where are you on average? In Vegas Runner, you're a 57% guy, you're a true professional, but when you're hot like you are now, you can get up into those 60s. And that's something that sounds like the old 80s TV shows where everyone's 13-1, and
1: but you're 13-1 and legitimately and and in the zone. And the key is being able to maintain it, RJ. You're absolutely right. And and, you know, being a winning sports better, you, you aim for 57%, but sometimes you're in them 60s and being able to carry it for a month, two months, sometimes a little further, you could really do some damage.
0: Okay. Now, we got the coupon out. We talked about VR's hot and um, and actually he's so hot, we wanted to take a little bit of time with that. Marco, who else is hot?
2: Well, he's not here this week. Steven uh, couldn't make it, but Steven Nover. Steven Nover, 22 and 5 with his NBA plays on the current run. So I know everybody's attention right now is on college basketball, but guys, you got to remember that the focus is on college basketball. And Vegas might not be putting enough time in the NBA right now, knowing that all the action's coming in on college. And a guy like Steven Nover, this is the time to really grind a hot streak like that when that's what he specializes in.
0: Excellent. Okay. Now we're going on to the free picks. Now uh, Vegas runner, not only is he hot with the premium stuff, five straight winners
1: here on the podcast. And this week you're going
0: for your six straight winner
1: going for six straight. And like I said, all of what I love the most is that we all take the free picks so seriously on the podcast. It's like our own little contest here. So I highly recommend that everyone listening to take these plays seriously because we really do. Um, I'm going to disappoint the listeners. Not a fight pick this week. I'm going to hold off on the fight pick, and we're going to stick with college basketball. This one's a March Madness play. It's on Friday. I'm looking at the total between Cornell and Missouri. For myself, I think it's too low. I believe that total's low because Cornell's been off 13 days, and if they're not sharp, if they're not on point, you're expecting more of a low total. I think the opposite's going to happen. Missouri loves to play fast or slow. They could do either, but their preference is playing quick. And I think that's what Cornell is going to be forced to do with them because they don't have anyone down low. So they're not going to be able to play any kind of, you know, half court basketball against a team like Missouri. Also Missouri can't be too excited about playing in Idaho. So for me, I think they're looking already ahead to playing Marquette or Utah state. So I think this is one of them games where Missouri is going to end up having to wake up eventually and start running with the ball. And, uh, Cornell will be able to do the same thing. So I like the total. I'm going to go over the total of 145.5 and and see if we can make it six straight on the podcast.
0: That's actually interesting. A professional friend of mine I was talking to in town said Cornell is a rare Ivy League team that wants to push the ball a little bit. So against a team like Missouri that wants to push the ball, I I like that side there or like that total. Okay. Um, next up, now actually, Steven, who usually is here, and he'll probably be back next week, he's on a super hot streak with free picks, too, and we'll be picking that up hopefully next week. Marco, you're coming up the uh, rear right now amongst the experts. You're 4-1 <laughs> and one on your uh, free picks. Shameful. Wow. I'll tell you what. I'm like the... Ugly redheaded stepchild. Well, the here. nice the nice thing about me is I usually give futures, so when I win, I can talk about it, and when not, <laughs> Just,
1: everyone forgot about yeah,
0: it we by then, then anyway. Remember, I actually had Marquette to win the NCAA finals here about six weeks ago before the injury, so I will take uh, claim that. So
2: okay, so you're like given the excuse already. It's already there, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks. Yeah, well,
0: that's the, the risk <laughs> of futures.
2: <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, we're four and one with the free picks, and we're going to try to make it five. Five and one this week. Uh, as far as my phone service, real quick, uh, or on, on the website, we're doing uh, real well. Not in uh, VR uh, stratosphere, but uh, it's hard to say that uh, eleven and four with our daily top play. Uh, I'm, I'm bringing up the rear, but I am. We've had seven winning days out of the last eight, and uh, so we're going to look to continue that. Uh, I'm going to look to a game on. I believe they're playing Friday, and it's. Uh, the Syracuse-Steven F. Austin game, and this is a situation where you had Syracuse last week just an unbelievable Big East tournament. What they did in the six-overtime game with Connecticut, then turn around and come back and play an overtime game the very next night. Now, after they played that six-overtime game, the world couldn't get enough of West Virginia the next day. And I liked West Virginia in that game, and my thinking was, this is something that never happened before. When w- when was the last time we had a six overtime game? Vegas knew the public was going to come one way. They didn't know how much to a- account for the six overtime, you know, to penalize you know people that wanted to bet against Syracuse. And I thought the line was over inflated. And the factor that people excused in that game was Pitt played. Or West Virginia played Pitt, their biggest rival, the game before. So there was line value. We got the win there. Now I'm going to turn the table. They've had a few days to calm down. They ran it all the way to the championship game, and they just ran out of gas in the second half against Louisville. Louisville, number one seed. The public is going to look at this game, to me, and say, Syracuse now has had five days to rest up. They saw all of that. They put it already on ESPN Classic. Uh, the Syracuse-Connecticut game, they're going to think the Syracuse team is now going to roll in this game. And I think you're going to see the effects now from that Big East tournament. And I'm going to go with Stephen F. Austin. I think they have the type of team that can frustrate Syracuse. Syracuse can win this game and not cover very easily. I'm going to take the inflated line. I'm going to take Stephen F. Austin. I look for this game to be like a three- to five-point game down to the wire.
0: Okay. Okay. Now, my free pick is I'm actually going with the future, <laughs> and uh, I've been actually on a hot streak. I'll keep it short. Is um we were on a twenty and eight run last week, and uh, in the tournament. Then I actually lost my conference game of the year on Sunday. So I feel good. I feel uh, plugged in. I got my network of sources, so I'm feeling good. Now, on the future, I'm going to go with the Pitt Panthers to, to win the tournament. One thing I've been doing a lot of press, and one of the things I've been talking about is the champion has been a 4 seed or higher for 20 straight years. So really, there's only about 16 teams that, that have any chance to win it, if you go by history. Now, what I want to do is find a really good team the public's not in love with. So you see North Carolina, and you think, all right, this team's in love. Or, or this is a team that the public's in love with. I look at Pitt as, as good as North Carolina. The oddsmakers here in town say Pitt would be favored against any team in the country other than North Carolina, and I think that you're getting both a great team, the public's not in love with yet, with Pitt on the future. Now, a couple of things to close that's kind of interesting is some of the other analysis I've been doing is talking to the odds makers and the, the wise guys here in town is the worst team in the tournament, they're saying, other than uh, the automatic bids, is Dayton. Even though they're an 11 seed, and there's the different 12 seeds out there, they're saying Dayton's the worst team, and there's literally seven or eight teams that didn't make the tournament that would be favored over them. On the flip side, Wisconsin's a team that a lot of people are questioning even being in the tournament, they'd be favored against any team not in the tournament. So this Wisconsin team might be a little bit better than we think, though there is that Big Ten issue that we've been talking about. A couple other things. Two really big line moves this week. UCLA opened up minus 10, went down to minus 7, and that's the biggest line move. Illinois opened up at 6 uh, against Western Kentucky, moved down to minus 4. Last point, three lower seeds are favored. Arizona as a 12 seed is favored over Utah. USC as a 10 seed is favored over BC, Boston College, and Tennessee as a 9 is favored over Oklahoma State. So, a few things I've been doing press on. You can check all that stuff out at pregameblogs.com or you go to pregame.com and click blogs. And remember, we're going to have a how to handicap podcast talking about the NCAA tournament. And that's going to be available. And in fact, it's available right now at pregamepodcast.com. We'll be back next Tuesday where each week with the sports betting preview we talk about upcoming games and teach you how to handicap any game. Talk to you next week.